I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He knew what was happening in the street because of his sources and what have you. And there came a time when he would say, you know, Roy is not where he usually is. It's 1983 and a federal task force is running surveillance on the DeMeo crew. One of the task force members, Joe Wendling, realizes something is up. We knew Roy went missing. When you do organized crime, it's like a chain. And you start out with your first link. And your first link leads you to your second link. And we knew if Paul wanted to separate himself from the chain, Roy had to go. We had an anonymous tip came in to go, hey, look, look for this Cadillac in Sheepshead Bay. The Cadillac? And it was parked in a uh, parking lot. And strangely enough, that was the only car left overnight that wasn't vandalized. Called me on the phone, said, I have Roy's car here. So can we open the trunk? And I asked the U.S. attorney, when they find out where, I don't want anybody to, uh, to open up the car until we get there. I want to be there when you pop the trunk. The DeMeo Crew Task Force meet in a nearby garage. They gather around Roy's maroon Cadillac and pop the trunk. Lo and behold, there was Roy. He was frozen to his chandelier. And then on January 20th, 1983, Roy's body was found in the trunk of his Cadillac at the Veruna Boat Club, which is uh, it's a, it's a marina located in the Sheepshead Bay section of Brooklyn. He had been shot seven times and stuffed into the trunk of his car with chandelier covering his body. The body of Roy DeMeo, leader of the DeMeo crew, the Fagan of Flatlands, the rooster, is found dead just three miles south of his crew's headquarters, the Gemini Lounge. He had been sent by his wife to have the chandelier fixed or rewired or something, and that's when he probably stopped off somewhere to visit. We, I think we have a pretty good idea who killed him, but basically he stopped, the chandelier was in the trunk, 
when they shot and killed him, they took the chandelier out, threw him in, put the chandelier on top of him, and moved the car. The most unique thing about it was they found a microphone cable from the back seat to the trunk, which made us stop and think, was Roy taping any conversations? Was Roy thinking about flipping? They wanted him to be found. They wanted to send another message on it to the rest of them to keep their mouth shut. The DeMeo Cruz notorious leader is taken out before he has the opportunity to bring the Gambino family down. Roy would have gotten a deal because Roy would have made the whole organization collapse. And how does Roy's family learn about his murder? That job falls to Nassau County missing persons detective, Bill O'Loughlin. So they asked me to make the notification to the wife out in Massapequa, and I went out there and I knocked on the door and uh, she came to the door with this dog. I don't know, got it's a big one. And I said, uh, I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, I have to tell you that your husband was found uh, deceased. And um, she had some unkind words, uh, mostly tell me where the fuck I could get his body. And I said, you had to contact the medical examiner. And I was starting to talk to her. And she said, uh, get out of here. I'm going to sink the dog on you. So I backed off and I pulled out the weapon and I said, the dog comes outside, I'm going to shoot him. And she slammed the door in my face and that was it. And it was his son's birthday that day. And they had a big party set up and nobody showed. Nobody showed up to Roy's son's birthday party and nobody shows up to Roy's funeral. That's out of respect in the mob. When the guy's a jerk-off, you don't go to the funeral. You know, just to show your disrespect. You know, Nino didn't even go. Nobody went except his family. The family is forced to hire pallbearers to usher Roy to his final resting place. Because nobody would carry him. Roy's funeral mass takes place at a Massapequa house of worship known as the Godfather Church. The same church the adored boss of bosses, Carlo Gambino, attended. There's no crowd on the stone staircase at Roy's funeral. No townspeople gathered to pay final respects. No floral tributes. But similar to Carlo's funeral, the police show up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got the usual salute with the middle finger. Crew member Pete LaFrosha knows how it goes on the street. But you know what? I know something. The funny thing about us Italians... When we kill each other, it's usually because somebody's ratting on somebody or somebody's doing something. Somebody, it's just not for no reason. Bada bing, bada boom. From ID, I'm Celia Anaskovich, and this is Mafia Tapes. Episode 6, Omerta. During the course of this investigation, we were looking for one or two uh, important players in this organized crime uh, organization. And one of them was a guy named Dominic, and uh, he had just dropped out of sight. Nobody knew where he was. 
That's former NYPD detective Frank Pergola. Looking for a guy who seems to be linked to all these mobsters and all these murders. A guy named Dominic. It's 1982, and Frank is on the DeMeo Crew Task Force, a task force led by Assistant U.S. Attorney Walter Mack. Their aim is to take down Paul Castellano, the DeMeo Crew, and their associates. The team he's assembled includes various members of law enforcement from different agencies. We've heard from them throughout the series in their areas of expertise. FBI Special Agent Anthony Nelson. Instead of, let's call the cops, he said, let's try to find the dime so we can call the Daily News. Nassau County Detective Bill O'Loughlin. Well, if there's a hell, there's going to be a lot of people down there smoking cigars and having lasagna for supper. Brooklyn DA investigator Joe Wendling. Somebody might say a vagrant looking for food thinks he has found a leg of lamb. And Assistant U.S. Attorney Mary Lee Warren. It's not just the bad guys that uh, these monsters killed. The task force builds their case, zeroing in on key players. And where is the Dominic that Detective Frank Pergola is looking for? He's getting the hell out of Dodge. Dominic is frantic, throwing handfuls of clothes and valuables and suitcases and racing back and forth to the car. It terrifies his six-year-old daughter, Camry. I'm asleep, and I'm like, what are we doing? And he's like, we're going to California. And I remember saying, what about school? And he said, they have better schools in California. Okay, so it's in the pitch black of night. He had a Mercedes 450 SLC at that time, this baby blue Mercedes. The only things that we could take of ours were whatever would fit in the car. Dominic is in trouble with the family, so he runs away. From Polly, from Uncle Nino, he's attempting, yet again, to break free. Why did you guys decide to pack up and go back to California? Out of fear, because I knew I was next on the list. And I didn't want to die in Brooklyn. What did you tell your kids about why you were leaving Brooklyn and moving to California again? You know, I forget, but it was a really good excuse. Dominic and his family settle into their new home in the San Fernando Valley. A fresh start. A new life. For the first couple of months, Dominic gives the straight life a shot. Making an honest living. He even volunteers at a local center for veterans. And his and Denise's third child, Marina, is born. Despite the newfound positivity in his life, Dominic finds that earning money illegally is boring, and his income is meager. He can't stay away from crime for long. After my father had gotten, you know, his his new business or whatever together, which was basically being a drug dealer, you know, we lived on this island, this beautiful mansion house. But a pool and a large bedroom can't distract a six-year-old forever. I walked downstairs one day, and I walked into the uh, the kitchen, and there was a briefcase on the counter. And I opened the briefcase up, and there were bags of cocaine in the briefcase and money. And I remember thinking to myself, if there's this money in the kitchen, then why don't we have anything to eat? 
Despite the opulent house, stacks of cash, and abundance of cocaine, their pantry is bare. And I remember scrounging around in the kitchen trying to find something for us to eat. My father and all his friends were passed out in the den. And I remember we picked up pots and pans, us kids, with a spoon, and we were going around in circles, tapping the little pots and pans like they were drums, trying to wake the adults up. And they never woke up. They were passed out forever. And there's, I have pictures of that in the bathing suit with us all going around in circles as all of them like looked like corpses in the middle of the living room. So yeah, it, I was aware. I've been aware of everything my whole life. It's heartbreaking to hear and think about a six-year-old living like this. She's left her home, her stuffed animals, her dog, her friends, her school. And her dad can't even keep food on the table. Meanwhile, Dominic is reverting back to his old ways. Back to the clubs, back to the drugs, and back to that life. He's mirroring his glory days. He starts spending time with a centerfold model named Danielle. And in addition to cocaine, he begins selling quaaludes. Despite all his West Coast rackets, Dominic still finds himself broke at the end of every month. So he hatches a plan to sell a large supply of quaaludes to his former customers back in New York. And Danielle insisted on coming with me. I said, you know, this isn't woman shit. This is for the men. He said, yeah, but I want to be there with you. I said, all right. Dominic prepares to leave the family that he's just dragged across the country to return to the place he needed to escape. Dominic was regularly gone, but I'm starting to realize that his presence was often far more damaging than his absence. And one night I was talking to him, he was home and he was with his friend David and he was talking about how I needed to go to sleep. So, you know, my sleep thing came up again and I was like, Dad, I said, I, you know, I could go forever without sleeping. I'm like, I just, I can't ever sleep. And he goes, I bet you $100 that you can't stay awake for a week straight. And I took the bet and I stayed awake for seven days. And after the seven days, I, I remember wanting to buy a gift with, with that $100. I wanted to buy a gift for my mother because my mother was sad a lot of times. You know, she would hide it from me, but her and I were very close and I picked up on it a lot. Um, I wanted to buy her a present. And so when the seven days was up, my father wasn't home. And I was like disappointed because he wasn't home. But when he eventually showed up, I ran up to him, of course. And I'm like, I stayed awake for the seven days, dad. You know, can I have the hundred dollars? And he told me that he was going to give it to me later. He made his kids stay up for seven freaking days straight. And then never gave me the money. What was the point of that? Dominic's friends describe him as loyal, genuine, and commendable. But when Camry was just a child desperate for her father's attention, so much so she tries to stay awake for days on end, Dominic is nowhere to be found. The money doesn't matter to her. All she wants is for her father to be proud of her feet. 
I struggle to understand how the Dominic I've been told about by his friends is the same Dominic that could do this to his daughter. When things are good, everybody's happy. Everybody's toasting champagne and eating wedding cookies. So when things go sour, now you get mad at the guy. That can happen to anybody. It can happen to industrialists. It can happen to actors. Look at Halston. It can happen to anybody. You know, there's a, that's what the whole everything is, is a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And not everybody going down the slide to the end is going to be a happy camper. A lot of shit can happen. Despite the risk of his Uncle Nino finding out he's back, Dominic returns to New York. Being next on the list to murder isn't enough to deter Dominic from making big bucks. Dominic and Danielle hide out in a Manhattan hotel waiting for the Quaalude drop to come in from Canada. Meanwhile, Denise remains in California caring for their three children. But karma is about to catch up with Dominic. The large supply of Quaalude tablets turns out to be aspirin. The deal that brought him back to New York is a scam. Dominic racks his brain, trying to drum up how to score some quick cash. He recalls a debt he didn't have time to collect before fleeing New York. The debtor? A small-time real estate broker named Jeffrey, who borrowed a few thousand dollars from Dominic years ago. Dominic hatches a plan to get his money back. He used to live on the 50th floor, and we hung him out his window. After showing Jeffrey he means business, Dominic deploys the next phase of the operation. And I set up a deal because Jeffrey's one weakness was women. So I had a Mercedes at the time, and I gave it to Danielle, get him to get in the Mercedes and drive away with her, which she did. And me and my friend, who was a French-Canadian wanted for murder, and he broke out of prison. Good guy, good guy. And me and him, well, him more than me, kidnapped Je Jeffrey and brought him, I was staying at the, uh, the hotel on 6th Avenue. And he says, you know, you owe Dominic this amount of money, he says, and I'm here to collect. So Jeff set up a deal where he would have 500 in an envelope and give it to me. The deal is set. Jeffrey will run home and get Dominic his money. What Dominic doesn't know is that Jeffrey instead runs all the way to the cops. And he scared the hell out of this guy who went to the local detectives and said he was getting extorted. One of those cops is Frank Pergola, the detective who investigated the death of Chris Harvey Rosenberg, a.k.a. Chris DeMeo. As we heard earlier, Frank has been trying to locate an important player in the Gambino crime family, a man named Dominic. As luck would have it for Frank, a panicked Jeffrey hands him an incredible opportunity, an opportunity to nab Dominic Montiglio. And Dominic is on a losing streak. They set up a meeting through the girl at the Hickory Pit restaurant in Manhattan. And um, 
we had a few cars. We had a guy inside the restaurant and we had him fit it with a recorder so we could hear the conversation. Jeffrey is a real estate guy. He's not used to situations like this. He's already been hung out a window and threatened. He sits in a corner booth, shaky and nervous, sipping ice water to calm himself down. And we met at the Hickory Pit, the the lounge on 6th Avenue. And he gave me the envelope, and I opened it, and I checked the money and said, you know, that's cool, I'm going to walk out of here with that. Dominic turns to leave. He gets an uneasy feeling. As he clutches his thick envelope of cash, he realizes all eyes are on him. Everybody in that place, from the waitresses to the waiters to the bartenders, everybody turned out to be a fed. And that's when I got pinched, I got arrested. That's when Frank put the gun to my head, Pergola, you know, and tell me if you move, I'll put your brains on the table. I said, slow down, Moses. I said, I don't even have a gun on me. And Danielle got arrested with me. After a decade of evading the law, drug dealing, extorting, intimidating, and basically doing whatever the hell he pleases, the jig is up. Dominic Montiglio is arrested. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I remember getting the phone call from him when he was arrested. I'm the one that answered the phone at the house and he'd been gone for a long time. And I answered the phone and I said, daddy, when are you coming home? And he said, put your fucking mother on the phone. And I started crying and I handed my mom the phone. And then he proceeds to tell her that he's been arrested in New York after everything that he had put her through. Camry stands around the corner, eavesdropping on her parents' conversation. My father was going to use leverage by saying that Roy, he owed the money to Roy and that he was there to collect for Roy. He didn't realize Roy had been killed already. If he hadn't gone back to New York to try and do that, he may have never been arrested. If only Dominic stayed with his family. He was arrested with Danielle or whatever the hell she was. The drug addict is what she was, in my opinion. He was arrested with her. Half of the things that he said when he got arrested in New York was, what's going to happen to Danielle? When did your relationship with Denise start to fall apart? She started having an affair with one of the guys at the gym, this big bodybuilder. When I found out about it, she told me, she says, you're not going to kill him, are you? I said, no, I'm going to let him slide over this. Because it's just your fault and his. So if I killed him, I'd have to kill you too. That didn't go well with her, you know. So that's basically what ended the marriage, was that. According to Camry, this isn't the case. Oh, for God's sake. I wish she would have cheated on him. She should have cheated on him after all the times he cheated on her. My mother never cheated on him. And even if she had, I took issue with Dominic's rationale. You had had a lot of affairs before that, though. But I was allowed to. I'm a man. Running away from his uncle leaving his family to sell drugs, numerous affairs, getting arrested. Dominic Montiglio is indeed uncontrollable. Throughout this series, we have met different versions of Dominic Montiglio. Dominic the artist, the vet, the gangster, the storyteller. And now, introducing Dominic the snitch. Dominic is fingerprinted and booked at the Metropolitan Correctional Center, a raucous and overcrowded federal facility. The MCC has played host to a who's who of upstanding citizens throughout the decades, including John Gotti, Bernie Madoff, and Jeffrey Epstein. That same night that I got arrested, at about three in the morning, Frank and... One other cop, they came to my cell at the Manhattan Correctional Center 
And they said, Dominic, we got somebody who wants to talk to you. I said, it's three in the morning. What are you waking me up for? Well, you better come with us. And I came and they brought me to Walter Mack's office. And that's the first time I met Walter. And we became very close, me and him. He didn't believe 90% of what I told him. Because Walter's no fool. But he's a hell of a prosecutor. Assistant United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Walter Mack, is tall, sandy-haired, and confident. Dominic is Walter's perfect witness to the extortion, the theft, the brutality. All Walter needs is for the uncontrollable Dominic Montiglio to do what he's told. When we knew what happened and we realized what his position was, we, uh, we grabbed him, he was brought into my office, and we had a long conversation about what his choices were. Dominic is given a choice. Go to jail for dealing in stolen goods, for racketeering charges in connection with extortion, and for narcotics trafficking. Or rat on his family. Very hard decision. He's talking about family. First of all, he's born and raised in a family that recognized uh, organized crime essential. You don't testify. You don't provide information. You do what's asked of you, period. You're part of an organization. And talking about it to people who are not involved, and certainly not law enforcement, is an unpardonable crime deserving of death. And, and, and that's the situation that he would face. And so it was one of those things, his ability to talk about Paul, the Gambino crime family boss, and Nino because of direct relationship and being present at a time when Paul was made the boss and and ceremonies and things. He knew he was was going into very deep, very difficult situations. This is the hardest decision of Dominic's life. So we took him to the Southern District and uh, began to interview him. And I put a couple of pictures on the table of the DeMeo crew, and he said, oh, my God, you know, and he got a little upset, taken back. So then we tried to convince him to cooperate, and we could try to help him uh, lighten his sentence and so on and so forth. And he needed a little time to uh, digest this all. They were taking him back to the jail, and uh, I said on the way out, I said, listen, the other shoe's going to drop, so you better make a quick decision. Well, he had to do it to save his life, because if he was out in the street, he was going to get killed. And when somebody finds out, that's what happened to Andre Katz. Somebody finds out that I'm cooperating, who's going to protect me? And where are they going to be? That's a a pretty effective way of keeping people quiet and not having witnesses arrive and go to court. If he flips, all of their lives will be at risk. Dominic will have no choice but to enter witness protection with his family. So after you talked to Walter that first night, how did you, what happened next? Well, the the, the next thing that happened was I helped the black guys in MCC. They were after somebody. And I was friends with them. And they told me, you know, we need somebody to set them up. I said, I'll set them up, which I did. And they did what they had to do. 
And that was the first time that I realized you're a fucking gangster. That's what you are. You know, I I said to myself, there's got to be ways of getting out of this and to the witness protection program. You know, and I went to Walter and spoke to him about it. After nearly a decade catering to his uncle's every request and abiding by the mafia's code, Dominic makes his choice. He's going to become a gangster for himself, no longer for his uncle Nino or the Gambinos. I went to Walter and told him, okay, I'm going to play you a game. The importance of this moment cannot be overstated in the course of Dominic's life or in the history of the American Mafia. My feeling was, in many ways, having, you know, agreeing and signing an agreement, pleading guilty and cooperating, maybe provided, you know, some of that adrenaline, some of that uh, um, setting, encouragement, doing the right thing, doing something that required courage and drive that often combat veterans experience and and lose when they return stateside. And, And that was my impression of where he was. I think he was definitely looking for something to do that he felt was worthy of his attention and commitment. Walter Mack sees Dominic Montiglio as courageous. Others see him as a coward. As I shared way back in episode one, Uncle Nino does not tolerate a snitch. Not as a soldier in the army, not even as a fifth grade class president. And not now as a cooperating witness. Snitching is committing a cardinal sin. It's the ultimate evil. Snitching is breaking the oath of Omerta, the code of silence. Regardless of the mafia rules, Dominic claims he was saving himself, his family. Was he? So even if he wanted to put those guys away, He shouldn't have done it because it was going to affect Nino. I mean, I don't think he should have done it altogether, of course, but worst case scenario, and he just was doing that to get, you know, keep, you know, put the DeMeo crew behind bars, it still affected his uncle. You know, his uncle was there for him. He was there for him. I I just don't understand. I don't think that it's right. He should have done his time and sucked it up. You need to be a man and you need to stand up and you need to do the right thing. And in my opinion, caving and turning your family in isn't the right thing. This was not the response I was expecting to hear from Camry. To this day, she seems angrier with her father for choosing to turn on the family than she does for his criminal enterprises and the pain he caused her while involved in that life. Richie knows the rules of the street. You don't snitch. And while Richie doesn't turn his back on Dominic, he knows what he's done and the gravity of that decision. That's the way you grow up. You don't rat. You know, that's not something you don't do. It's just not done, you know. Uh, it's, It's just not done. That's all. I mean, then you're done. Then they'll kill you. So what are you, who's, who are you helping? Society? The police? Fuck the police. I'd rather be on the side of the mafia than the police any day. 
he was very close to the top. I mean, Nino Gaggi was a major capo in a major organization. Gambino is very strong at this period. I mean, they were major, and his uncle was major. This is his right hand boy. You come from our neighborhood, you don't see nothing, you don't know nothing, you don't. It's like Bronx tales. You see Bronx tales? But this isn't a Bronx tale. Going into witness protection means giving up life as you know it. But it isn't until I speak with former FBI supervisor Bruce Mao that I'm able to fully wrap my head around just how grueling WITSEC can be. I would always t- talk people out of cooperating unless it was their last resort. Because once uh, you decide to cooperate, you have to testify in open court against these guys, and then you have to go in the witness security program. And you can be sent out to Montana or Nebraska with your wife and kids and not much money. And it's not a good existence for anybody. So I'd say, if you're desperate, this would be like a loan shark victim. I'd say, look, try to pay the money off. If not, I'll sponsor you in the program and uh, you can testify in court, but you can never come back to New York. You can't call your relatives and stuff. It's not a, a nice place to go. And so, but in case like Dominic, he was desperate. But did he ever stop to think about that? That Camry, her siblings, and her mother would have to start over with nothing and with no one. It was just like everything else. We had to just pack up and go. We were just going all of a sudden. We had to leave everything. We had to leave the dogs. We had to leave our pets, which was always the closest thing to my heart were my dogs. Camry is reminded of her initial move to California. But this time, everyone, including Dominic's wife, Denise, will be forbidden from contacting family and friends. She couldn't have any communication with with Nina at that point because, you know, they had her convinced that, that, that he wanted to kill us or kill my father. I've come to realize that Dominic always plays the role he's assigned and plays it well. That is, until he gets tired of it and moves on to the next role. The doo-wop singer, the decorated soldier, the intimidating gangster, the dutiful nephew, and now, the dutiful witness. This new role requires Dominic to turn his back on his family and tell his stories in order to save himself. Walter Mack deems Dominic his new star witness in the massive case he's building to take down Paul Castellano and the surviving members of the DeMeo crew. Walter needs to keep Dominic safe from the crew as they prepare for trial. We took him, along with a crew of hard chargers, uh, north to a safe location and debriefed him over a period of time in the middle of winter. And he was certainly a major step in our progression up the chain of command in the family. The camp is large, empty, frozen. It's the dead of winter and they're on a lake a scene right out of a horror movie. They put me, Frank, and some of the other members in a cabin and brought us all rifles, and not me, but they all had automatic weapons. And I said to Frank, I said, this doesn't look too appealing. I said, why do you guys have all these weapons? He said, well... We always want to be on top 
for what they're going to do. I said, well, what do you think they're going to do? And he told me, he says, Dominic, you're the main target right now. I said, thanks, Frank. I needed to hear that. Frank Pergola is assigned to protect Dominic and train him to testify. He's to keep an eye on him, both for his personal safety and for the safety of the case. I was their main guy, you know, and he had to protect me real well. And I mean, they brought me upstate in the winter by Lake George. Although Dominic and his family are assured they're safe, the reality is they're not. And it was probably one of the few times Walter ever lied to me because he was telling me how safe it was. And, you know, that's what I'd like to tell him today. Yeah, you lied. You know, I caught you in a lie because it's not safe. Dominic isn't the only one who feels deceived. My mother had no intention of going on the witness protection program. We were going to go stay with her family and then my dad was going to go off and do whatever my dad had to do. And we weren't going to be a part of it until the FBI and my father manipulated my mother and scared her. Despite the circumstances, Denise and the kids make the upstate cabin home. Not that they have much choice. Denise would do the cooking, you know, all Italian. And... Frank would eat a lot. Well, the whole crew did. But the one guy that stayed was Frank. He stayed. The upstate cabin has a summer camp-like quality to it. It's isolated from the outside world, leaving Dominic, his family, and the cops to enjoy one another's company as they pass the time which they do. Was it strange when you guys were upstate that you were sort of becoming friends with the cops? Yeah, especially Frank. Because he was from the same neighborhood. So all we did was drink and go through the, you know, the story. And it was amazing to me how much they knew that we didn't know that they knew. We found out we had a lot in common. We came from, he lived a couple of blocks from me. Uh, my mother knew his real father. It isn't all fun and games. Dominic and Frank have real work to do. They need to prepare Dominic's testimony. Frank will act as the go-between, receiving orders from Walter Mack on how best to coach Dominic and reporting back further intel he receives from him. Dominic's testimony needs to be ironclad for when he faces the defense. How did you prepare for the trial? What did they What did they do with you to help you prepare? They didn't do nothing. I had to do it all on my own. And I just thought of different scenarios that I could talk about without implicating myself. Dominic has to tell his stories, testify, in a way that doesn't implicate him. But implicate him in what? Uh, you know, got all the information we could, sent the information back to the U.S. attorney, so we corroborated a lot of the murders. 
because he had something in him that wanted to correct what he did, you know, or what he knew. I understand what Dominic knew, but what did he do? He told us a lot of things that were horrible. You know, we're talking about he established uh, and verified 56 murders based on the information we had. It was all correct. These are the guys that did it, and this is how they did it. 56? How did Dominic know about all of these murders if he was never there? Was he just an innocent bystander, hearing these violent recountings of murder while he babysat the crew and picked up money for his uncle? Or did he ever insert himself into the action? The only time he ever admitted to being at the scene of a murder was, was the Governor murder. Do you think Dominic ever pulled the trigger? No, I don't think he did. I know he could have uh, during the homicide of Vincent Governero in 1979. Dominic says he swears to God that he never pulled the trigger. We uh, more or less believe what he said. The cops and prosecutors more or less believe Dominic. Dominic, who has spent the last decade making a career out of cheating the system. But it benefits them to believe their star witness. Without Dominic, they have no case. They need Dominic as much as Dominic needs them. But I have questions. So I asked Dominic about the murder of Vincent Governara. It was Vinnie Mook's car that Dominic rigged a hand grenade to, a crime he admits to. According to Dominic, the ending to this story is one year later, when Vinnie Mook returns to Brooklyn. Nino and Roy shoot him in the street. This is the ending Dominic has told to police, to Frank, to Ross, and a story he's about to tell on the stand to Walter Mack, under oath, in front of the world. Was that the first murder you were with Nino and Roy for? No. No, But we're not going to talk about that. They could still charge me with that shit. Well, I'll ask you in the abstract. Does the first time you were with them for something, did you feel like, okay, I've crossed the line now, I'm, I'm, something has changed? Yeah, and I pulled the trigger. So that put you in another spot. <coughs> but we're not going to say. That was in, like you said, the abstract. I pulled the trigger. Did Dominic just admit something to me that he's kept secret until now? Because the only one that knew was And he said, you're a real fuck. He said, you got away with this. We can't corroborate Dominic's statement. So we've omitted the name of the person who Dominic claims knows his secret. After the shock wears off, I have to wonder, do I believe him? Is Dominic finally being truthful? Is he finally owning up to his mistakes as he nears the end of his life? He's told me so many stories where the blame is on others. It was Nino's fault, his family's fault, government's fault. Now he's telling me it was his fault. He's telling me he's a murderer. 
Mafia Tapes is produced by Gigantic Pictures for ID. The show is hosted, written, and produced by me, Celia Anaskovich. Story producers are Caitlin Colford and Maggie Robinson-Katz. Producers are Pamela Ryan and Jeff Spivak. Music by Allison Leighton-Brown. Sound designer is Sam Baer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.